Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to John Proust, who's the CEO of Japan Gold. They have managed to pick up 30 licensed areas in Japan, uh, formerly gold-producing areas. Um, they've done a, a they've put together a strategic alliance with Barrick with for 28 of those 30 projects, and the other two with Newmont Corporation. Um, they've spent about 26 million and a half million bucks since 2012 um, putting together this deal. Uh, not quite sure if the market has reacted positively because the, mar- the market cap is around 50 million bucks. They've raised eight and a half million bucks recently to uh, advance uh, some of the uh, drill targets that they're looking at. We look forward to seeing what they come up with. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, John, how are you doing, sir? I am great, thanks. Uh, good day to you, Matthew. Yeah, well, thanks for joining us. You're in, uh, you're, well, you're back home, I guess, in, in Vancouver. So uh, that, that's something. But we're going to hear all about your story, uh, which is based in Japan. So why don't you kick off, give us that one minute, one minute elevator pitch, and we'll pick it up from there. Well, uh, Matthew, Japan Gold is a junior gold explorer. Um, it's focused solely on Japan and solely on the, the exploration for gold. Um, we are the first company to enter Japan um, since a 2012 change in the mining law, which de- allowed for the first time in Japan's history, foreign companies to come in and wholly own, own prospecting rights or wholly hold prospecting rights or mining rights or own mines. Um, and this was based again on the change of the mining law um, that had occurred based on an economic diversification in Japan, uh, where the, um, the country wanted to stimulate rural economies, and they felt that mining was a, a very important uh, way to do that. Beautiful. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. Appreciate that. But look, before we kind of get into which I think the, you know, the, the, the big elephant in the room for you guys, which is your relationship with Barrick and how, how that's constructed, I'm interested in understanding where this started from, where your story started from, because it's new to us, uh, where, this, where it started from, what you set out to try to build, and you know, has that changed? Uh, to, to this point today, and then we'll kind of get into you know where you're going uh, later on in the conversation. So, start with that. When we went to Japan, we uh, entered as soon as the mining law changed. We were the first company in the world to go there. And the first thing that we did was we studied the um, the whole country of Japan and those 64 closed mines. The Hishikari gold mine is a low sulfidation epithermal gold mine, so it's. Uh, it's quartz, a series of quartz veins that are about one meter to four meters wide. And there are these wonderful, beautiful quartz veins that have gold and alluvium running through them. And so we wanted to see those types of mines. We were able to get our access to the full Japanese government database. And that government database was very robust. It was very full and very informative. And so we studied that for two years. And also through that period of time, the government was just starting to, through the Ministry of Economy, Trade and Industry, starting to come up with the idea of what the permitting process would look like. And so we were very fortunate as the first movers and the only party in the country to give good feedback on how to build a globally competitive permitting process. And so the government was kind enough to adopt a number of our key suggestions. And so at the end of two years, we knew the country very well. We knew the mine, the historic mines were very interesting to us. And then we also had one of the best permitting systems in the world. So away we went, we put our running shoes on and we went from there. 
And where we've culminated today is we have 30 projects across Japan on the three main islands of the country. And um, those 30 projects cover 42 of the 64 closed gold mines that have never reopened. Right. Um, you haven't still haven't answered the question, which is, you know, what, what did you as a business set out to do? You told me what you've done uh, in terms yeah. of, you know, spending two years analyzing data. But what, what was the idea? What did you set out to do? Well, look, our goal was <clears throat> basically, um, here was, in, in our mind, a, a brand new destination that had not been open to the world and where the Japanese weren't picking it up or, or active in it. So, you know, we're in one of the best geological settings in the world you're in the ring of fire um you know you've got tectonic movement there's volcanism you know there's, there's everything that you possibly want there and a rich history of gold mining so it's just and and you're in a geopolitically safe jurisdiction <laughs> which absolutely has to come to the, the the top of the list so you know you've got infrastructure you're in a geopolitically safe jurisdiction so our goal was to try and go in initially just understand the country and identify what opportunities were there as we went along, we noticed that there wasn't other competition coming with us. And that's really because the government hadn't publicized this opportunity very much because they weren't organized yet. They hadn't got their permitting system organized. So they weren't rushing at this. Um, but we rushed and we moved as quickly as we could to get that first mover advantage. So our goal really, as soon as we saw this opportunity, I'd never seen anything like it in my whole career. And I've been all over the world. And so I said, look, we're going to, as I say, get our running shoes on. We're going to keep the cone of silence down. We're not going to alert competitors to come here. And we're going to try and acquire as much of the key areas in Japan as absolutely possible. And that's exactly what we did. Okay, so you've basically, you don't, you don't have to find anything because you're going into old mines. They've been identified. You know exactly where it is. You've got a lot of data on it. And you're saying, right, if we, if we get these tied up, we think we're going to be able to get into production ourselves. But... It's a lot of, because we're looking at, looking at, I think, page six of your presentation. There's, as you say, there's a lot of mines, a lot of land, and that also means a lot of liabilities, a lot of money, and you had to come up with a solution as to the way you were, you were going to be able to finance this, right? Yeah. So, so, so let's, well, let me, let me just um, correct a couple of things. There. Sure. So first of all, uh, we don't go into any of the mines. All the mines have been closed and remediated. So, right. so they're pure, we were purely using those as markers, you know, back to the old adage, the best place to find a mine is, you know, next to or underneath or, or whatever, an old mine. So, so that's the best place to find a new gold mine. So we wanted to use those as the best indication of where people have been, recognizing that they've been shut down because of the government intervention, not because they run out of ore. So, so that was something very, very important for us to focus on. Also, what we wanted to do in Japan is we wanted to build an operational group in Japan. So we didn't want to be sort of a foreign company where you see certain juniors that they just tie up with a local major and they get them to do all the work, et cetera, et cetera. So some people say, well, are you a project originator? Are you a project generator? Well, of course we are. We're the first company in the world to go there. So we're going to generate a series of projects. But we wanted to go much farther. So we I identified and hired any Japanese geologists, which were frankly scarce as hen's teeth, uh, but we hired Japanese geologists and, and uh, one specifically very senior individual, Takashi Kuriyama, who had been the head of global exploration 
for Sumitomo Metal Mining in, uh, until he retired in 2016. Um, he was also on Tech Resources Board for 10 years. But he's our general manager of exploration in Japan. And prior to his, his senior role at, at Sumitomo Metal Mining, he was the general manager and chief geologist at the Hishikari Gold Mine, one of the richest gold mines in the world. So, so we tried to do that. We also brought an expatriate uh, geologist as well to, to bolster our team, field assistance. And then we got even more aggressive. We bought four of our own diamond core drill rigs, imported those into Japan. And then we went and tried to source Japanese drillers at that time. And, and unfortunately, they were all consumed by the geothermal industry, which is very active in the country. Um, and it, it's government subsidized. So we ultimately had to um, work with the government to build a team of 22, a drilling division of 22 people that for, were from outside Japan and get three-year visas so they could come in and operate our equipment for us. So we became very operational. As that went on, um, the major mining companies around the world were starting to find out that Japan was open for business and starting to have a look at the country. And as they were doing that, they then started to look at, at who was there and we were the company that was there and we had picked up pretty much all the key areas in the country, in the key gold provinces that had been historically active. So they realized that if they wanted to do something in country, they had to, to come through us. That ended up in a whole series of confidentiality agreements with many majors and mid-tier producers. I think we did 15 field or site visits um, and all of a sudden people were pouring into Japan and, and seeing this wonderful geology and it's really grown from there. Okay, so okay, th thanks for clearing that up. That, that really that's helpful. So, and we do want to talk about Barrack in a second, but you've talked about putting together an operational team. You're talking about buying rigs and so forth. So, how much money have you raised to date, for instance? Yeah, we've we've raised thirty five million dollars to date. Right. Um, and that includes a financing a a um, significantly oversold financing that we just closed last week. Yeah, um, I saw that. We had, so, and this ties into the, the Barrett discussion, so I can talk a little bit about uh, more about that in a moment, but because um, uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But yes, we raised thirty-five million. Great. So the bit I'm confused about: your market cap's about forty-eight. Let's say fifty million bucks today. You've raised thirty-five. You've got Barrick as a JV partner. Mm -hmm. You've got all this land bank tied up. People are not looking at you as a great investment. It, it, it seems. So where where do you think the disjoint is? Because you're sitting on land banks. To me. Usually, I, I look at that as a liability because I know I'm going to have to spend money to create value there, okay? And um, I'm not quite sure how the market is viewing, but what, what do you see the problem as being? Sure. Well, well first of all, just to make sure um, we, we were really clear on how much it costs to hold the, the land we have in Japan, because I think that's always a good point mm -hmm. to start at. Um, so currently we have approximately 2,000 square kilometers in Japan across our 30 projects. Mm -hmm. and our annual carrying costs because remember we help you know design the permitting process in the country so the our, our annual carrying costs for the that area is currently just um under forty thousand us dollars okay okay so 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 to, to put that in perspective i think where the value disconnect is um and and there's a good comparable in the market because there's another company that came into japan four and a half years after we were already established and acquiring projects is that we haven't gone out and told the world about it we've been very focused on 
you know, keeping our head down, building a portfolio of 30 projects, um, you know, um, having, you know, significant discussions with majors, including the alliance that we've just completed with Barrick, which was a competitive, um, a competitive process with five companies competing over seven, over a seven month period. So we wanted to put everything together before we went out and told the world about what we're doing. Um, the other company that's in Japan now, um, a company called Irving Resources, um, has been there for some time, really has one feature project and I believe six other smaller projects, some of which are, are have been sort of picked up more recently adjacent to our ground in, in some areas. Um, but their market capitalization is three times ours or about three to four times our market capitalization um, because they've gone out and they've, they've been very actively, you know, talking about it out in the investment community, newsletters, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we haven't really done that. Um, now is the time for us to actually, um, you know, tell the story. And um, that's why I'm really pleased to share this with you today. So do you think they, they've followed the right process? Do you think they've got it right and you've got it wrong? Would, should you have been promoting this sooner? Well, Would your shareholders say you should have been promoting this sooner? Um, there's, there's always two schools of thought. And uh, certainly uh, what the other group has done is they've picked one project and they've been more active. Um, they've they've uh, done geophysics, they've done geochemistry, and they've all got some, some drilling done. Um, and the drilling has shown that there's a gold bearing system there. Interestingly enough, Matthew, um, we um, have one of our major projects which, bo which borders their feature project, and we actually sort of surround them on two sides, I guess, now, and the ocean's on the, on the third side. Um, <clears throat> so um, that project is part of our Barrick Alliance, and we'll be very active up there uh, starting in July. So um, there's always two schools of thought about way to, way, the way to do it. <clears throat> You know, if you're a company and you have one project, well, you do the best with what you've got and you go actively at that. Our view was much bigger, much more significant than that, which was to build a portfolio of what we think are all the major projects in Japan, to have them validated and by majors through joint ventures or strategic alliances, and then have all of those 30 projects advanced. And so we not only have a, a relationship with Barrick, but Newmont is also a significant shareholder in our company. Okay, so, so let's, maybe now's the time to talk about Barrick and what the terms of that are, because I'm, I'm sitting reading them again, page five of your presentation. So, but let's go through, through that. So you've gone through a seven-month mm -hmm. process, competitive tender process. You've selected Barrick, um, and you've agreed what terms? What, what are they obliged to do? How much are they obliged to spend? Right. So the Barrick, it's, it's a countrywide alliance with Barrick for 28 out of our 30 projects. And if Barrick finds anything new, they'll bring it to the Alliance. And if we find anything new, we'll bring it to the Alliance. Now, um, we were very fortunate to have very, very good terms with Barrick. And I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples. One example is that we have what I call freedom of information. So if there's any news as it relates to the programs that we're putting in place, any results that we're seeing, um, any interesting developments, we have the ability as the junior company to put that information out and really keep our shareholders informed and coming along with us. So that's really important. The second thing is that they have a very short time frame, a very short window to look at the 20 and evaluate the 28 projects. They have two years to evaluate the 28 projects. 
Now, just to step back a little bit, um, Barrick, as you may know, is a very streamlined organization under the leadership of Mark Bristow. Um, they've done an extraordinary job at effectively taking out middle management and running by an executive committee that has a direct communication or connection with the, the mines. And so the mine managers communicate directly with a, basically an executive team of about five people. Mark Bristow himself has taken a real active interest in Japan. He's come to Japan, he's been to the Hishikari gold mine, he's seen what a spectacular tier one asset that mine is. And the Barrick view is that it could be replicated in Japan. They've done their statistical analysis, they've done their technical analysis, they've done significant um, due diligence in the in country, both on the political side um, and as, as well as uh, in the field. One of their five key executive team members actually lives in Japan and was previously the Japan uh, consul, the U.S. Um, consul general to Japan. So he's married to a Japanese gal, speaks the language, has lived there for many years, etc. So they have a real strong understanding. The way our alliance basically works is they have to evaluate 28 projects um, solely funded by them over two years. And we're the operator going through that process. Either during or at the end of the process, they have several choices. If there's a project or projects they don't want to advance, they don't meet their criteria, those projects are ours, 100%. And all the data that's being collected through the Alliance evaluation, we can use that data to bring in third parties or to advance the projects ourselves. If there's projects they want to advance, then basically they don't earn anything until they complete a pre-feasibility study. So they have to complete a pre-feasibility study to earn a 51% interest. And then they have a choice. If they don't want to continue after that, there's a mechanism where control comes to us and we can again bring in third parties or advance the projects ourselves and dilute Barrick. If they want to continue on, they have to complete a bankable feasibility study. And it's not, it's not just any old bankable feasibility study, it's called an acceptable bankable feasibility study, which is a higher threshold um, a Barrick threshold, which um, if they complete a bankable feasibility study, then they get to a 75% interest. And that they have to fully carry us through a bankable feasibility study. At that point, um, either we can discuss with Barrick the financing of how we go forward, or we can go to third parties if there's um, you know um, uh, superior terms there, et cetera. So we think it's a wonderful place for us to be in, in terms of advancing 28 projects in the country. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, uh, to get someone like Barrick on board is great. They've, they're looking at a lot of projects all around the world and, you know, to them, you know, money's, money's not such an issue. So they're able to spend the time. I agree with you, two years is a relatively short time frame with which they have to decide which of the projects they want to go forward with. I guess their thresholds can be very different from the regular mid-tier or, or uh, small uh, producer, uh, for sure. So their, their, their cutoff will mean, I suspect, that. Well, have you got a sense today of what they're going to do within that two-year time frame to be able to work this out? Because, I mean, they're going to have to throw some money at it and get some data to understand what it is that mm -hmm. you're sitting on. So if they, any, any, any idea of numbers? Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely, sure. So, <clears throat> so first of all, I, I think we should just just circling back to um, uh, you know, your earlier question about the market and valuation, et cetera. When you have 30 projects in a country and you're a junior, people will think about that and they go, that sounds crazy. 
Well, that sounds like dilation. That sounds like dilation to me. That's what it sounds like. Exactly. And it only turns the corner when you can actually have your projects validated, not just one or two, but all your projects validated by one or more majors. And they're all of a sudden funding the process. And then there's an aha moment in terms of, okay, now I understand that the bigger picture and the process of what, what, what Japan Gold is undertaking. So the way that it works initially, and, and we're thrilled about this as a junior, because of course, as you mentioned, Barrick is taking this at a much bigger level, at, at how a major company would evaluate a country. And so in order to do that, um, they're doing large regional programs over the 28 projects. So I'll give you an example. Um, the 28 projects cover about one and a half thousand square kilometers. And currently we're doing stream sediment analysis and blagging, so bulk, looking for bulk leach extractable gold, um, over all 1,500 square kilometers, all the streams and waterways in order to get a real understanding of anomalous areas. As part of that large uh, program across the three islands, we've also got geophysics. So we're doing gravity across one and a half thousand square kilometers. So significant data sets that will basically allow Barrett to focus in on areas that they particularly like. We're starting in the southern part of Japan because there's climate considerations. So we've started already in Kyushu, the southern island. And then in July, we'll be moving right up to the northern island to Hokkaido and getting very, very active there on several projects, one of which is very advanced. So also along the way, if we see anything that looks advanced, then I think Barrick is quite interested in pursuing that from a, from a standpoint of getting the drill rigs going. Let's go see what we've got there and let's, let's get right into it. Um, so <clears throat> that's, that's the program. The first year budget is approximately $5 million. Um, and that's underway right now. So that's the first year budget. Um, but Barrick has basically said, look, we're here, as Mark Bristow said, and I, 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 I love these colloquial sort of terms, but you know, we see that there's an elephant in Japan. We're here to find the next elephant in Japan. We've seen the Hishikari gold mine. Um, what's Barrick going to spend? Barrick is going to spend whatever it takes to fully evaluate 28 projects to the Barrick standard and they don't want to leave, leave anything behind or be embarrassed, and we don't want them to either. So we're working very, very carefully with them. So we have a joint technical committee um, of their best and brightest, um, and we have an executive committee, which includes their top executives. And, and you know, just last week, their five major executives, including Mark Bristow, you know, were on an hour and a half call with us reviewing Japan. So we report once a week. So it's a very tight relationship. Okay. So. I think there's a long answer to the question was, it's five million bucks in the initial appraisal evaluation phase as a minimum. No, no, that's not, that's not right. Sorry, Matthew, not right. That's just in the first year. That's just the first year. Was a two year, yeah, okay. So you got, two year, you got a two year phase. You mentioned five million was the only number I heard. So what, what's the number of investment? Well, yeah, five, it was just five million for the first year. That's just our first year budget that we're working on right now. I'm reading page five, initial evaluation phase, Barrick is uh, sole funding a two year initial evaluation phase for each project. Yep. Mm -hmm. So you've given me the number for the first year of that two year phase, is that right? So, so what's that's the, that's exactly right. So what's the total number for the first, the initial evaluation phase? We don't know and Barrick doesn't know until we 
get those regional data sets, spend our $5 million, and then they see what, you know, what significant programs next, which could be more in field geophysics, a lot of sampling on the ground, getting the drills spinning. You know, there's, there's a myriad of things that could, could happen after that in year two. Okay, okay, okay. And then um, the second evaluation phase is a kind of three-year three um, phase with the project that they have selected, which mm -hmm. may or may that, not be 28. It'd probably be less than 28, right? I'm certain of that. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so really, <clears throat> we have no idea what that number is going to go from 28 to what number. But what I will say is that we have a significant concentration of projects that are in the most prolific gold province of Japan, which is the southern Kyushu epithermal gold province, which is where the Hishikari gold mine is located. So we fully surround the Hishikari gold mine. And an interesting fact about Japan, if you find a tier one gold mine pretty much anywhere in the world, the ground around that's been picked up either by the, the mine holder or by other interested parties. The ground was open in that gold province around one of the top gold mines in the world. And so we ended up being able to pick up all that ground, but it wasn't just an area play we actually were fortunate to, again, study all the historic data and start putting together the mapping, the geology, the geophysics, the geochemistry, and looking for settings that were similar to the Hishikari gold mine setting. And we found a number of those. And so those are areas that are part of our Barrick Alliance that we're evaluating. Okay, okay. So we'll come back to Barrick a sec. So I just wanted to pick up something because I can't, we because segued away from it. You've raised 35 million bucks to date, um, so 5 million recently in second tranche, and I think 3.5 million prior to that. Um, is, is that correct? So 8.5 million bucks uh, in the, in in the this, last couple in of months? This, yeah, in the current finance we just closed, it was $8.5 million in total, of which a million dollars was a, a conversion of a management loan of a million dollars, because we wanted the company to be debt free. So we raised 7.5 million new dollars and converted a million dollars of debt. Got it. Okay. Um, what was the rest of the money spent on? So basically that money has gone from 2012 to now to building the knowledge in Japan, fully establishing ourselves in the country and not only opening up an office in Tokyo, but also buying and operating a base up in Northern Japan in Hokkaido, opening up and operating a base in Southern Japan in Kyushu and, and building, you know, buying equipment, building our team, et cetera, et cetera. So that's one of the reasons why the majors really like us is that we're fully operational so that they can come into country not having any presence there and they can bolt on us and we can become the operator for them in Japan and, you know, as they need. Okay, so just tell me, so what, what do you mean by operational? Just to understand the extent of the, you know, the infrastructure that you put in place there. Right. So in Northern Japan, to give you an example, in our base up there, uh, we bought eight hectares of land. We have a large modern house that has offices on the main floor, has accommodations, has kitchens, you know, mess facilities, et cetera, et cetera. Two large warehouses, core storage. Um, so infrastructure, um, three of our four diamond core drill rigs are stationed up there now. Uh, so, so that's our operational base in Northern Japan. In southern Japan, it's a little bit more disparate. We actually have four houses uh, in southern Japan. Um, you know, one that's our office, one that's our messing facilities, one that's our accommodation for Japanese staff, and one that's accommodation for non-Japanese. And then we have a large laydown area, core storage shed, 
one of our diamond core drill rigs is stationed down there. And then an office, and then in, in uh, Tokyo, we have an office that we've just moved into our new office recently, and we share that with Barrick. Okay, okay. And so I'm uh, intrigued because that's like 20, say 26 million bucks or so you've spent since 2012 till the most recent raise. Um, so you've bought property, you've bought rigs, so you're drilling. Is that, yep. You are drilling on, because uh, you talk about there's a couple, couple of projects which you are, Barrick are not taking up, you're, you are retaining those, you're developing those yourself, is that, is that what you're spending your money on? Well, so, so the reason that Barrick didn't, um, we didn't do the alliance on all 30 projects, mm. and this is really important, back to the chronology, um, as we were, um, you know, picking up projects in Japan and we were doing a whole series of field visits or site visits by major companies around the world, one of the companies that came was Goldcorp. And Goldcorp, the um, senior vice president in, in charge of ex global exploration at that time, had independently, not knowing about us, come up with Japan as, as a key destination that they would like to go have a look at. And then it, he went to their CEO at the time, and it just turned out that I had a relationship with the CEO. And he said, well, if you want to go to Japan, you should talk to Proust. So Gold Corp came to Japan, saw what we saw. And so as soon as the plane touched down back in Vancouver, they said, we've got to own a piece of your company. And so Barrett took a or sorry, um, Gold Corp took a stake in our company. About two months later, Newmont called me and said, and, and we, we had a confidentiality agreement with Newmont. And they said, look, John, just to let you know, we're making a bid for Barrick. Um, and, you know, a number of countries and companies may become casualties in that acquisition. But we want to let you know that Japan and Japan Gold is not one of those. And, and they said, and to demonstrate that for you, we're actually going to highlight you uh, in our PowerPoint presentation. Uh, so they highlighted Japan in the PowerPoint presentation, which, which was, I, I, I thought was very gratifying. So, so the bottom line is, so then um, Newmont became our shareholder. And along with that, um, Gold Corp had, we had agreed with Gold Corp that we would give them the right of first refusal on two projects. If we ever wanted to enter into a joint venture, we had to go to them first. And so in order not to confuse things, when we did the Barrick Alliance, because again, it was competitive. So I think Newmont was disappointed that they weren't the alliance partner in country. But we honored that relationship by keeping those two projects outside of the alliance. And for that, Newmont has been very proactive. So we have a technical committee with Newmont um, that is very active. In fact, as recently as last night, um, and um, so they're focused on those two projects and they've provided introductions to third party contractors. They have a full time geologist assigned to Japan. And so they're and they, they have interpreted data for us, et cetera, et cetera. So we have a very close technical relationship with them. Newmont has also taken a small equity stake in the other company that I mentioned that's already in country, too. So Newmont really likes Japan as a destination. Mm -hmm. They see what we see. Um, and so that's why those two projects are outside the alliance. And so, anyway, so I, I, I hope that answers your question. Kind of, kind of. What I'm, what I'm trying to get at, John, is to try and understand, you spent 26 odd million bucks up until the point Barrick came along and until, until this recent raise. And I'm trying to work out what, you bought a bunch of stuff, um, but was that, 
buildings and rigs and so forth, but you've, you've, you've also inherited a lot of data in there. Have you, I'm trying to work out what kind of company you are, okay, is, is my problem, because I'm trying to say, you're, you're, you're trying to put various deals together. Um, have you invested any of that 26 million bucks in the ground and created incremental value for the company? Or are you saying asset value is pretty much the bulk of the spend so far? So if I'm a shareholder, I'm trying to work out what have, what have you done? What have you done? So, yeah, so, so Matthew, um, okay, let, let's, let's be really clear on it. Um, we've done an enormous amount of work. Okay, so um, on just those two projects that um, uh, we have outside the Alliance, we've spent approximately $14 million on those two projects alone. Okay, and so that includes, um, so the, the, the baseline for everything is getting the historic data, understanding the projects that we've got, looking at that, you know, going out and ground truthing it and all that kind of stuff. But then it's systematic geology, mapping, geochemistry, geophysics, scout drilling. That's, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're following the process. Initially, you know, we had views that we would follow sort of the, what I'd call the junior process where, where you're not cutting corners, but you're trying to do things within your budgets. But now with Newmont at the table and with our Barrick Countrywide Alliance, we're now doing things on a much larger, more wholesome scale to have all those tools in our toolbox to be able to identify the key spots to drill um, and to be able to advance that. So, so, so that's just $14 million. Other dollars that I could take around the other 28 projects in terms of the evaluation we've work we've done, et cetera, et cetera. So we've been very active with us in, in the field. Okay, so you, you've spent the dollars to create projects which are interesting enough to attract some pretty big guys. Okay, you know, Newmont, you know, and Barrack, huge, right? Everyone knows them, but they also know them for taking bets on lots of and lots of optionality all around the world. This is, this is not a lot of money for them. You know, they may look at this and, and, and walk away. You know, which story we hear we hear a lot. So, you know, it come, comes back to that. You know, do, do I understand what sort of company you are? And it's it seems to be your your project generator. Sure, you said that earlier. Um, are you the, the team is you know filled with geologists? I, I get that. So, but have they been spending their time? piecing the information which you've got from the Japanese government together to put it in a shape so that these big behemoth uh, companies are attracted to what you've got or have they actually been able to plow money into the ground and sort of you know you know learn something new about these properties I mean I, can you give me a sense yeah. of how that time has been spent and more importantly where all the money's gone sure well yeah so 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 back to that um, so We've done both those things. I mean, first of all, we've analyzed all, all the historic data and we've gone out and then we've collected our new data. And then we've used that data to advance projects up to drill targets. And then we've started with our scout drilling programs. And one of the important things when you see two majors like a Newmont and a Barrick being in country is that they haven't picked just one or two projects all 30 projects in our portfolio are being advanced and evaluated now, which is quite an extraordinary number. I'd, I'd really challenge you to show me another com company that has something like that, that has a portfolio like that that's being advanced. Um, so the work that we've done has advanced the projects um, and majors look for big things. So to give you a really good example, um, on just one of the projects that's in the um, the relationship with Newmont, 
that one project area alone has 20 historic mines across about a 200 square kilometer area, pretty small area, 20 historic mines. We're not looking to reopen a little old gold mine. We're using those as markers to look where collections of mines may be parts of a large system. So in just one case alone, by our work, we've now identified that there are eight mines that are in one area over that is about six and a half kilometers north to south and four to five kilometers east to west. And those mines are all part of one large system. And so we're now drilling across a portion of that to try and find, these are epithermals, so these aren't big porphyries. So we have to go now find those key feeder zones that have brought that high grade gold up to the surface or near surface. And so that's what we're doing now is following the key trail of clues that we put together to get to the points where we're going to make discoveries out of the Hishikari mine. Okay, because I'm, I'm, okay, I'm hearing this. You're thinking big, great. You've attracted some big companies, great. Um, you've got a, a, you know, a, a big team of, 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 of geologists who, you know, who seem to have all the prerequisite tick boxes ticked. Um, it's a big overhead for a small company. So again, a 50 million market cap, well, you do have to get out there and tell the story. You really do have to get out there and tell the story because it's, it's not being valued and, and you accept that. But what, what are you going to do with this eight and a half million bucks now? Because you know, you, you're going to have to tell people, you're going to have to explain to people, here's what I've done with 26 and a half million bucks today. I've put, to, I've put together this big optionality package for these majors. And with this eight and a half, I'm really going to, we're going to up the, up the game here. So what are you doing with it? So, so let's break it down into two pieces because I just want to go back to your comment of big overhead. And I'd like to challenge that a little bit. So when you're in the building phase, when you're moving as quickly as you can and you're ahead of competition and it's been competitive in the more recent couple of years, others are there, people want to come in. So we've had to be very competitive, but because we've been able to navigate the permitting process, we've been able to beat out competitors. So again, putting that full group of 30 projects together. So, so that costs money, we're moving quickly, we're evaluating projects, we're aggressively um, putting in applications and, 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 and again with boots on the ground as well. So that's the first part. But now we're into the next phase. And the next phase is that Barrick is sole funding the advancement of 28 projects. Okay, so sole funding the advancement of 28 projects. And so um, in the month following, so the Barrick Alliance was formed on February 24th of this year. Okay, just recently, Mark Bristow himself announced it at the BMO conference in Florida in front of his peers, our peers. And so it was a, a very gratifying day and we were thrilled to have that happen. Um, the month following, our overheads dropped by over 65% already in terms of our cost to operate our business. And so our focus is on the two projects that are outside the Barrick Alliance because we're advancing those until we go to Newmont and see if they want to joint venture those projects with us. Newmont's working with us to understand more and come along with us for that journey. Um, and so to give you a clear example, our GNA for the whole company is approximately $250,000 a month. Now, when I break that down, you've got two parts always in a public company, as everybody knows, you have the business of running the public company, and then you have the operational business of running the business. And so the $250,000, if you want to be 
quite specific about that. You can break that into about half and half in terms of running a public company costs about $100,000 a month. And the balance is focused on running two bases in Japan, an office in Tokyo, et cetera. So that's, uh, that's our program. Um, we don't just have two cooks in a coffee pot. We have 18 people that we employ um, predominantly in Japan and a few in Vancouver that run the public company aspects. Okay. I mean, the reason, again, the reason I'm asking is because, you know, you talk about different strategies um, here. You know, when you don't have a lot of um, capital available, you perhaps come out a different way. You, want to, you don't necessarily have three centers, three overhead centers. You, but your plan is different. What you're trying to tell the market is, we couldn't have pieced together the, this, these projects, these 30 projects, in a way to attract Newmont and Barrick without spending a lot of money. Right. That's that's what you're saying. It's a, it's a that's your that's, that's your model. Okay, and which is fine. I just needed you to be, you know, get to that. Um, so, um, can you answer the question? What are you spending your eight and a half million bucks on? What's that going on? Is that just GNA, or you know, how much of that is actual drilling on on the projects that you want to develop? Yeah. So so let's let's so let's be precise on a couple of things. Um, so first of all, you say eight and a half million dollars, but a million was converting debt to equity. So okay. that takes you down to seven okay. and a half million dollars. Right. And then we had also, um, through the alliance negotiation process, I didn't want to go to the market because we were negotiating on the alliance. And in a different world, a pre-COVID world, um, we had a significant financing at what I think would have been far higher prices organized with two of the major banks in Canada. Unfortunately, timing was what timing was. Uh, so February 24th, the announcement came out, you know, uh, in the next couple of weeks, there was all sorts of changes, et cetera, et cetera. So ultimately, we decided to go to the market, put capital together. And very clearly, the bulk of the capital that we have assembled now is to advance the two projects that are outside the alliance, because those are the ones we're funding 100%. And that's all about drilling. So as I said earlier, we've spent $14 million on those projects. We have a number of key prospects, three in, in fact that we're focused on right now. One that's already drill permitted, but with Newmont's guidance, we've done geophysics, we've done gravity, we've done CSAMT, we've just completed a major soil sampling and spectral analysis program, and I hope to have those results out very shortly. And that basically lets us zero in on the drill targets we want to drill, and so we can commence drilling. Up in, that's in the southern island of Kyushu. Up in the northern island of Hokkaido, we have two prospects up there. One, a historic mine, which it, it has had unbelievably high grade, and which was evaluated by Sumitomo in 1951, but hasn't had work done since then. Drill permits expected in the next few weeks there. Drill rigs, personnel, so we, you know, that's our first one. And then the second one is one of those major areas where um, that I was describing to you before, that large area where there's eight mines that are a collection. We're drilling across one center of that area. And so we hope to have some very well-placed holes um, coming up in the latter part of this year there. Have you, can I just ask, with the, with the drilling that you've done today, have you had big success? Uh, you know, have you been encouraged by what you've seen in terms of grade? What do you know? Yeah. So, so as, as I said, what we're looking for is low sulfidation epithermal gold veins, um, or gold mines. And so in the area that we've done our scout drilling in Hokkaido, um, it's an area that's three kilometers wide that 
at the turn of the century and up till 1943, from the Western side, there had been significant, there was a gold rush. 10,000 people moved to that area because at surface on the top of this large hill, hill or hill system, um, there was gold. And so there was a huge facility built there. It was a 500 ton a day facility scaling up to 2,000 tons a day. 10,000 people had moved there. I mean, we're talking at surface disruption. So as a junior, one of the first things you do is you collect some data, but there's a lot of surface disturbance. So hard to see what you've got. You drill under the surface to see what's beneath that. And while we found a series of quartz veins, the gold grade wasn't high enough in those drill holes. So Newmont, who is our, our relationship there, they said, well, that was a good idea, but let's do it the Newmont way. Let's do geophysics across three kilometers. Let's do CSAMT, let's do gravity, which we did that all of a sudden showed significant structures in the Eastern portion. And then we sampled the surface and we got gold grades getting greater as we went to the East. And finally, we saw um, real collections, high concentrations of antimony as we went to the east, which really are a good indicator that we're getting closer to those feeder zones that have brought the gold up from deeper in the earth up to the surface. And so that's what we're permitting right now for our second phase. So the first phase, scout drilling uh, is an exploration tool, told us that that's not where we wanted to be, but it gave us the trail of clues now that led us to where we want to be, and that's what we're permitting right now. Okay, brilliant. Well, I. I I think we have got a really good taste of what you're about. I'm tr I now understand what type of company you are, I, I believe. Uh, it'll be interesting to sort of see, obviously, over the next few months, how much promotion you do. I look forward to hearing the story in the market, get people excited about th this model. It's really interesting. I think fairly unique uh, in, in many ways because the, the scale of the what you're trying to achieve. Um, and we'll look forward to hearing what the news from Barrack and, and Newmont along the way. As well. So like, thank you very much, John. Appreciate your time today. Um, wish you well. Stay in touch. Pick up the phone if something interesting to say. We look forward to hearing from you. Matthew, I will do. And look, I, I appreciate uh, you taking the time to learn about the story. It is a very unique story that is the, one of the only companies in the world that has the two top gold miners deeply embedded. Um, it's a unique country. And we have the team, the capabilities, and the capital to advance it now. So I really look forward to keeping in touch with you. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.